We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Brian, it's that time of week where we do our predictions. Clemson, Georgia, that's the one we are talking about that's right now. Big, that's the biggest game of the weekend. No question. Biggest number three, Clemson. Number five, Georgia. They're playing in Charlotte, right? They're playing in an NFL stadium, so obviously that's a big deal. Uh, Saturday, it's a night game, ABC, 730. Yeah, you're right. Biggest game of the weekend if you're mm-hmm. not a Notre Dame fan, I'm just saying. Uh, but biggest game of the weekend, lots of storylines here. Brian, what sticks out to you? To me, there's huge, huge college football playoff implications. And for all the people that want to expand the college football playoff, this is the kind of game you lose when that happens because this Correct. game no longer has the implications that it has. Both teams, to me, this is huge for both teams, right? If Georgia loses, they're in a single elimination the rest of the year. If Georgia loses the the opener and runs the table, they're in the playoff. I mean, their schedule is such they'd have to beat sure. Alabama in the conference title game. They got to beat Florida. I mean, they've got a tough enough schedule. It's not a gauntlet, but it's tough enough where they're gonna they're gonna be in at thirteen and one, it, or excuse me, twelve and one. Clemson is in single. I, I I have a hard time seeing Clemson losing this game and still being in the college football playoff unless there's just a bunch of one loss and some two loss champions because. Mm. The reputation that the ACC has, I mean, there were people that that thought maybe Clemson might not get in a couple of years ago when they were undefeated in 2019 because their schedule is so bad. Now, you know, they they it's, it's kind of wasn't necessarily their fault that Texas A&M wasn't very good that year, right? I mean, they did try to schedule out a conference, but this is one of those games, and this is also the kind of game where if Clemson wins this game they can then sustain an upset at some point in time in the regular season and still get in. Because Much they've like, got that win on their right, resume, right? Right, right, exactly, which is just like what we saw in 2016 when you know they did lose to Pitt late in the year, but they had a big win over a highly ranked Florida State team that year. They had a big win over Lamar Jackson in Louisville. They had a big road win over a ranked Auburn team that year. You know, So uh, you, you look at it and you say, okay, that they don't really have that win this year. Vince, if they lose this game, sure. I mean, they've got 
you know, you you look at Clemson's schedule the rest of the year. It's not pretty. It's you know, their their big games are now at North NC State, at Pitt, at Louisville, at South Carolina, home against Boston College, home against Florida State. That's not really. There's you know, they lose this game on a neutral field. It's going to really devastate their playoff resume, in my opinion. They're just going to have to hope for a bunch of teams to have losses this year. So they're big time playoff implications in this league, and I'm I'm very curious to see kind of what level of pressure does this put on both team. The loser of this game is going to go into the every week the rest of the year with a lot of pressure because these are two teams that we all view I think as legitimate title contenders this season to some degree, and so that's what makes this a fascinating matchup. We sure. rarely get these kind of week one matchups where there's playoff September fourth. There's playoff implications on the line. That's what I love about the current makeup of college football. Well, and you took the words right out of my mouth about loving the current makeup of college football because you're right. This game is so important. It's so important to both teams, and it's playoff implications right from the jump. If if the playoffs are expanded to 12 teams, this game doesn't matter at all. They could both still lose another game and still – Still get in the playoff, right? Exactly. I mean, this game literally doesn't matter. It's it's just okay. Two big it's names a playing each other, game, essentially. Yeah. You know, great. You know, but this game means something, and uh, which for I, the I'm, loser of that game, they're going to want that twelve, sure, expanded thing. Yeah. But no, this is what makes the college football regular season the best in all of sports. Absolutely, is that a game on September fourth can have consequences about who's going to be able to play for a championship. I right. absolutely love it, and it's also an intriguing matchup, Vince. If you're someone who loves football, it's you know Georgia's offense is supposed to be a lot of, much improved this year. You got JT Daniels, a quarterback. You know they've right. had some skill player injuries. You know obviously George Pickens is out. Eric Gilbert's no longer on the team. They're loaded at running back. They should have a really good offensive line. They still have some weapons to work with. JT Daniels, this is his chance to kind of you know shine, jump out of the spotlight. Are they going to open up the offense, kind of let him go uh, against what is expected to be a Clemson defense that should be one of the nation's best this year? You know, probably the best defensive line in the country. At least they have a chance to be. You know, with uh, Miles Murphy and Brian Breezy and Tyler Davis coming back. Their front seven is going to be loaded. Their secondary has Andrew Booth. Joseph Christopher. I mean, they've got this is a great defense against what's supposed to be an ascending offense. That's going to be fascinating. And then it's the first game of the post Trevor Lawrence era right. on offense. Right. And post Trevor, Travis Etienne. What do we see from Clemson on offense? So, really a fascinating game. Great matchups, question marks that are going to get answered about these teams. But just a huge, huge game and an opportunity, obviously, for both conferences as a bigger picture to kind of gain some level of, you know, hey, bragging rights, so to speak. And that's something that's going to be a theme in a lot of these first couple weeks is, you know, Pac-12 looking for chances to, to, to put some dents into the Big Ten and the SEC and the ACC going to look for some chances to get some wins over SEC teams and, and things along those lines. So a lot of bragging rights on, on, on the line, but when you look at what else is on the line, the bragging rights are kind of far down the list. This is for who has a chance to play for a championship. So, Brian, I've asked you, uh, when we were talking about our, our college football predictions uh, about a week ago, uh, we were talking about, you know, who would you rather have as your quarterback at USC, right? JT Daniels or, you know, the guy they got. 
Um, and you were resoundly or resounding what it was JT Daniels. So, I only let you finish the sentence because out of respect <laughs> for you, like <laughs> I wanted to cut that. you off. You know, who would right. you rather have at USC? I was going to cut you off and say, let me yeah. finish the question. It's JT right. Daniels. So in this matchup, you've got DJ Uyangalale. He's taking over at Clemson in the post Trevor Lawrence era. We, we know that DJ is, is a very good quarterback or he has the potential to be that, but we've seen, obviously we saw him, Live and in person, uh, you know, at Notre Dame Stadium. Which quarterback would you rather have? Whatever team you have, which quarterback would you rather have in this matchup? I mean, to me, it's a win-win, Vince. I think the bigger question is who has the better supporting cast. Okay. I think JT is a tremendously talented quarterback. He's now what two years removed from the injury. He should be back to health. He's extremely talented. DJ's talented. Obviously, JT has more experience, having started a full season at, at USC back in was a 2018 now, right? Yeah, Which should have been back. his senior year of high school. Crazy. And then, of course, he he started about about half the year, a little little maybe less than half the year last year for Georgia. DJ just has the two starts under his belt. So, if you're if you're gonna say two great quarterbacks and you had to pick one, I'm going with the guy with more experience, and that would be JT. Okay. I think that DJ has more physical, God given ability. I think JT's the more polished passer also has some impressive god-given ability but he's the more polished passer the more savvy guy the more experienced guy he i earned a lot of respect he earned a lot of respect from me with the way he took that you know went after that cincinnati defense you know it was aggressive defense he was willing to take shots attack down the field i i think he's poised for a big year the question is is are clemson's weapons good enough to score on the alabama defense but also, are JT's weapons good enough even more so? Are his weapons good enough to score on the Clemson defense? That's the even bigger story is, you know, when you look at Georgia's defense should be pretty good, but they had some big personnel losses last year. Clemson's got some really talented players coming back. Obviously, getting Justin Ross back is huge for them if he's back to full speed. But when you lose George Pickens, who was supposed to be Georgia's top receiver, you lose Eric Gilbert, Darnell Washington's not 100%. I have more questions about the personnel around JT Daniels than I do from a skill standpoint, Clemson. The opposite is true when you start talking about the offensive line and the run game, right? So which one carries more weight? That's the matchup to me that most intrigues me is whose offense plays the best against who's, who's really good defense. I, I think that's even the more intriguing thing than even necessarily who's the better quarterback. It's who's supporting cast steps up and plays the best. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think Clemson's offense is going to look a lot different uh, than obviously it did under Trevor Lawrence. And that's that's nothing against DJ Uyunglele. It's just a fact that he's a different kind of quarterback. Right. And they don't have the dynamic runner that ETN was standing behind him. Right. right? I mean, they, they're you're probably going to see a lot of time from the Shipley kid mm -hmm. uh, who's a true freshman. I mean, this is his first college game. Yeah, right? and, and look, mean, Lynn J. Dixon and, and, and Will Shipley are really good football players. Sure. They're not – they're not ETN. Right. They're, exactly. They're not. Right. You know, um, that's, yeah. And look, Justin Ross is back, but look, they lost Cordell Powell and Am Amari Rogers. Those are two really good football players. You know? Right. CJ Williams ready to take a step back forward. Can Joseph Nagatis, you know, he can he step up? Can Frank Ladson finally, you know, play to his potential? There's a lot of question marks about that town around him. No question yeah. about it. But there's potential there, just like there's potential at Georgia. Both. Skill positions at receiver have a lot to prove. Georgia's got the more proven running backs. Right. They got probably the deepest running back group in the country. And, and and then, of course, their offensive line is big and physical. So 
can that unit give JT Daniels enough of a uh, protection to allow him to then make plays in the pass game? That's going to be the key for Georgia. The key for Clemson is going to be, can the offensive line protect DJ because he's not the runner Trevor was? And then can he then get the ball out to his playmakers and are they ready to step up? Those are going to be two great, great question marks and great battles that we're going to be watching the entire game because that's what we're going to be doing on Saturday night, Vince. You're going to be at your house. I'm going to be in the hotel. That's you know, right. sitting there watching the game, and uh, it's it's going to be an epic battle. One of the best games of the entire season, and just from a matchup standpoint, we'll see if it plays out that way. Right, it's happening right there in week one. But you get to actually watch it too, which is different than our normal weekend. Uh, yes, which, which I think is fantastic. You we know? either be covering Notre Dame or working. Yeah. Yeah, post game. Yeah, so it'll be nice Absolutely. to sit back and relax and watch I have some a, great football. I have a feeling you're going to be flipping between this game and another one, but we'll get to that, you know, on another video. No, but, I'll uh, have my, I'll have the other one on my computer. This okay. one will be on my TV. So you'll have, yeah. you're going to do the double screen thing. This is the prime game. This one will be on my TV. Okay. I'll have my iPad on one side and my computer on the other side. Those <laughs> games will be on the side games. Okay. LSU or excuse me, Georgia Clemson. That's the, that's the prime time game on Saturday. Okay. Well, here we go. Prediction time. Uh, Clemson favored by three in this game, which I think is very, very interesting. What's your final score? I went with the three-point win. I I went with the line on this one. I actually made my prediction before I saw the line. I have Clemson winning 30-27. to 27. I think at the end of the day, I think Clemson's perimeter skill are going to make more plays than Georgia's backs. I think the supporting cast in the pass game for DJ is going to be better. And I think at the end of the day, Clemson's defensive line is going to be good enough to disrupt the Georgia run game and get after JT Daniels. I have more faith in that pass rush impacting JT than I have with the Georgia pass rush impacting DJ. And that, at the end of the day, is on a neutral field why I decided to go with the the Tigers winning by three. Plus, Georgia still has to prove to me that they can win this kind of game. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I I am not a buyer on on Georgia right now. They do a great job on the recruiting trail, but when they get to Athens, that's when it kind of all falls apart. For They're them. a lot like Notre Dame. They're going to yeah. beat usually beat. The, but to to for me to say they are a con, legitimate contender to Bama right. or Clemson, th- th- this is Georgia's in the same boat Notre Dame is in. Can you win this kind of game? This is that opportunity for the Bulldogs. Yeah, and it's an opportunity for Clemson to say, hey, look, we were more than tra- tra- you know Trevor Lawrence. We were right. more than him. We are a, pro, a great program, and we're going to keep we're going to keep rolling. I, what I, about you, Vince? I, well, I have a lot of faith in Clemson's defense. Uh, I think they could be right up there in the top five defense in the country when it's all said and done. I think that they contain this Georgia offense. Too many guys missing from this Georgia offense for I think for them to be explosive enough to win this game. I've got Clemson covering, having winning by six, 27-21. Okay. Uh, I think if if Clemson gives up more than three touchdowns to Georgia, I'd be surprised. So 27-21 for me. So that is our Clemson-Georgia prediction. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Number one, Alabama versus number 14, Miami. Brian, this is a pretty big game. And if if it wasn't for, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that Clemson-Georgia game, this might be the number one game on the calendar, on the slate. Uh, Obviously, it's on Saturday. It's at 3.30. It's on ABC. They're playing it uh, in Atlanta. Uh, at the, mm-hmm. is it the Mercedes Benz. Mercedes Benz, yep. Yeah, it's a beautiful stadium down there. Um, this is a big one. Number one team in the land, uh, putting it out there. Brand Depending new quarterback. Chance. Yeah, absolutely. So, Brian, what's your biggest, you know, big picture takeaway from the? Well, not takeaway because we haven't seen it yet, but the biggest big storyline. Storyline, yeah. You know, to me, this is a fascinating game, right? Like this is the this is the the. Bama is what Miami used to be back in the 80s and early 90s, right? Fair enough, and, yeah. and Bama is the team, in my opinion, that nailed the final, put the final nail in Miami's elite coffin back in the 90s. When they beat, spanked Miami pretty good in the Sugar Bowl, Miami was never the same program. Now, they had that little three-year you know, mini fake rise. Early 2000s. Yeah, under yeah. Butch Davis. You know, he built him up. And then Larry Coker, obviously, those two years. But that was just kind of like a little, you know, brief three-year window. And then they were back to mediocrity. The 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 golden era that began with Howard Schnellenberger finally ended, in my opinion, with that Sugar Bowl uh, victory by Alabama. So you fast forward to 2021. Is this Miami's chance to kind of repay that and say, hey, look, Ooh. we're going to, you know, our last, you know, true golden, you know, long-term golden era ended because of Bama. Can we kick off a new golden era in Miami with a win over Alabama? That's a tall task, you know, but that's the kind of big picture storyline, you know, I, I think that I look at from this game. There's obviously some more unique in this season storylines, but that's the big picture one. I always look for those type of things, Vince, and, and, you, and you look at it and say, boy, that's a, that's a you know that 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 symmetry that that just that's a really interesting way of looking at it. So I I think that is where I say my big picture, my big picture view is in this game. Very interesting, and, and you know you make a really good point because we've talked in the past about how this is a, a very interesting year across the landscape of college football because Ohio State has a new quarterback, Alabama has a new quarterback, Clemson has a new quarterback. Georgia, frankly, has a new, you know, week one starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. So all, all of these teams who I, I wouldn't say Georgia's a perennial powerhouse, but these these other teams that are perennial powerhouses all kind of are in a transition mode, right? right? And Alabama is amongst that group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm interested to see kind of how they do. Um, and not only that, for Alabama specifically, they also have to replace Steve Sarkeesian, yeah. which I think is a huge hole to fill. Yes. I mean, he he's he was yep. the brains behind that offense and that yeah. offense is what carried Alabama to the championship last year. To me it's Bama you're defending the throne, right? But you're sure. defending it without your general, right? Sarkeesian, without your top lieutenant Mac Jones, you know, with 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 your without your, you know, your your air force, right? You lose your air force 
and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, right? I mean, you lose Najee Smith, you lost your ground force, you yeah. lost three starting, you know, two starting offensive linemen. One goes in the first round, the other one goes 38th overall, Landon Dickerson, despite just tearing his knee up at the end of this, you know, in this SEC title game. There aren't a lot of offensive linemen that can go 38th despite a major late season injury. It just says a lot about how good that group was. Six first round draft picks. From 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 Alabama. Now they're used they're they're used to being here, right? They lose first round picks all the time. But this is a lot. This yeah. was a lot. Miami on the flip side lost two first round defensive ends. You know, so that might have been nice to have those two guys coming back. You know, uh, of course, one of them didn't play last year, but you know, Quincy Roche played last year. You had obviously um, Jalen Phillips was a, was a dominant player at times last year. He was a first round pick. And then you look at it and say, you know, Miami's got a quarterback trying to ascend to the top of the college football world. And, and Derek King, and then of course Alabama's. You know, can Bryce Young be the next in line of great quarterbacks? I mean, sure. You think about it. No, Alabama's what was it? Their 2017 quarterback room contained. It was 2018 quarterback room. You had Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurt, Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, and Mac Jones all on that roster. They're now all starters yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, right. and they're facing all two of them are facing off against each other in week one. <laughs> right. That's that's the line that Bryce Young is following. Incredibly talented quarterback, was arguably the top quarterback in his class coming out, played at modern day. And and you know, but but that's a lot, that's a big ask of a kid like that, especially when you consider he lost first round, two first round picks of receiver and a first right. round pick of running back, a first round yeah, pick of What are those tackle. weapons gonna be like? Yeah. So it, it's there what's this next era? And I have said that I think Alabama's slowly going to start coming down now. And, and you know, I, I predicted the title run last year. I predicted they would fall back a little bit in 2019. Got that right. Predicted last year would be their last hurrah. Got that right. Now we're going to find out if the whole they're going to slowly come back down to earth thing is correct. I don't think it's going to take losing to Miami for that to be true. But I think if Miami gives them a game – then it could kind of maybe show sort of the the chink in the arm, and I think this is what happened to USC. It wasn't the loss that Stanford that to Stanford that finally you know made USC vulnerable. There were some really close wins that were happening leading up to that that made them less scary. You know what? You're not that bad, USC. You're you're not that tough. We can we can beat you. Right. And then Stanford was the final one. Just bam. Okay, you're not that good. You got beat by a bad Stanford team. Is this the kind of game where that can happen, to Alabama? I don't think it is, but how competitive this game is is going to say a lot about Alabama, but also it's going to say a lot about Miami's mental focus and mental toughness. That's the thing they've been lacking in recent seasons. And so if they can play Alabama competitive, it's kind of like the, the, the Notre Dame lost to Georgia in 2017. Yeah, they lost, but that game gave Notre Dame a great deal of confidence to go out sure. and just steamroll teams for the next two months. Can this kind of be that game for Miami? Can they make that statement that, hey, we're not back yet because Miami's supposed to win games to be back, but we're on our way. Yeah, That's the opportunity that is in front of Miami because you're playing the big dog, right? I mean, this is the biggest. It's the number yeah. one team in the country. I mean, and yeah. the defending champs. It's the, It doesn't get any bigger than that, right? Um, I, I really like your angle uh, talking about Alabama potentially having chinks in the armor, even if they win this game, which I think that they're going to do. Uh, but – are they going to show some vulnerabilities that other better teams than Miami can mm -hmm. take advantage of? You know, it, it, when a Georgia comes a calling, you know, or, or whoever, you know, whoever that team is, can one of those SEC teams take advantage of that? I think that's a really interesting storyline that people are going to have to keep an eye out on. 
past September fourth, right. right? And and you know we can jump into the predictions right here. I'll 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 go first. I'll well, I want to say off, this but... real quick, Vince, because okay. this is the other thing is one of the things that's given my Alabama problems over the years has been mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. De'Aaron King's coming off of a season-ending knee injury that he suffered against Oklahoma State in a bowl game. Is he going to be healthy enough to be that dynamic run-throw guy that makes him such a great player? That's the other storyline. If he's not able to be that guy, then maybe we won't learn as much about Alabama as we thought we could. That's going to be the other the other aspect of this game. Now well, I'm, I'm ready for some predictions. Well, I was just going to say I really like De'Aaron King. I like what he brings. I loved him at Houston. Yeah, I think there was a learning curve when he got to Miami. Uh, but he, he was playing pretty good football by the I, end of the year. Man. I agree. And then, and I, like I said, I think it went, you know, the, it was going this way for him. And then that, but that injury is the big question mark. Where's he at? Even though everything I've read about him says there's no limitations. Right. We'll see. Cause there right. may be some limitations. There's one thing right, to have limitations right in practice. It's another thing yeah. to have limitations when you're playing Alabama. <laughs> and a Nick Saban yes. defense. Right? right. I mean, yeah. Right. So, all right. So prediction time. It's just an 18 and a half point uh, Alabama favorite here. Mm-hmm. I've seen lines that had it at 19 and I mean, so like yeah. 19 and a half. I was a little surprised the spread was that. Was that? I, I feel like as we get closer to game time, that number is going to come down a little bit. But right now, 18 and a half, I think Miami covers that. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Alabama winning, but I think Miami covers, but I've got it 35 21. Okay, we're close. I have 34-17 Alabama. I do think Miami covers. I think Alabama's going to win. I don't think Miami has enough firepower to score. Right. I, we talked about all that Alabama lost on offense. They got a losing Patrick Sertan is a big loss. But other than that, they got a lot coming back on defense this year. Right. Including some guys like LeBron Ray who weren't healthy last year that they're hoping can kind of get back into form. I just don't think Miami has enough horses to to move the ball and score enough on Bama for four quarters. The caveat will be is if the Miami defense, if the turnover chain can kind of get rolling and force a couple turnovers that can spark to some easy scores, kind of like what we saw when they played Notre Dame in 2017. You know, Miami didn't run Notre Dame off the field until they got a couple, you know, interceptions that, that set up, you know, that set up touchdowns. One was a direct touchdown. The other other one kind of gave a short field. If they can make a couple plays like that early, that's what could allow Miami to stay in this game and possibly pull off the upset. They are not going to just outplay right. Bama for 60 minutes. They're going to need to force some mistakes from Bama. If they can do that defensively, they got a shot to win this game. I don't think they can do that enough. I think Bama's going to rely on their run game more. They're not going to ask Bryce Young to be Mac Jones in the opener. They're not going to ask the new receivers to be Devontae Smith and Jalen right. Waddle. They're going to run the ball at Miami. They're going to take advantage of the fact that Miami lost a lot up front, and it's not going to be a sexy game, but Bama's going to protect the football and at the end of the game, in my opinion, get it done and win by 17. But Miami's going to have gain some respect from this game from some people. They're going to cover, in my opinion, and uh, they're going to look for their – you know, it, today wasn't our day, but maybe our, maybe our we're back moment will come at some other time this season. All right, so you and I both have the tide in this one. Okay, Brian, let's jump into the Big Ten. We've got uh, number 19, Penn State, number 12, Wisconsin, Camp Randall Stadium, noon kickoff. That's the big Fox game, right? Uh, This is the first game of the day, right? This is the one we're going to be keeping an eye Mm -hmm. on at noon. Wake up, get your your eggs, your bacon, Mm -hmm. turn on a little Big Ten football. That's right. uh, I, I actually... 
I will say this. I dig the noon game. I, I think Fox has a, a good thing going with the yeah. noon game. They, it's always a big game right out of the shoot. And uh, a lot of times I'm still at home, able to mm-hmm. watch a, a little bit of that game. And this week, obviously, I'm at home all day, looking forward to it. But this is a big one. This is kind of a, yeah. a bounce back game for both teams. How do you see this game? Yeah, I mean that's the that's the deal, Vince. This is the bounce back game of the weekend for for both teams. I mean, there's like LSU's going to look to bounce back. There's some teams individually, but like this is two traditional Big Ten, you know, top Big Ten teams in Wisconsin and Penn State who both had rough years last year. Now, some of that you got to say, you know, that's just a weird COVID year, right? But you know, the results were what they were. It was COVID year for everybody in the Big Ten. Some handled it better than they did. And you look at Penn State. Started the season off 0 and 5, 0 and 5, and then they bounced back with a win over Michigan, Rutgers, Michigan State, and Illinois. And you say, okay, finish four and five. None of those teams were any good. Right. Michigan right. stunk, Rutgers right. stunk, Michigan State stunk, Illinois stunk. All right, so now, the, but hey, kudos to Penn State for having that because they also lost to Nebraska, who stunk. They lost to Maryland by 16, who stunk. So there are some stinky teams that beat them. They bounced back last year, but still finished four and five. Now they've got to open the season at Wisconsin. Right? Is that Tough. really one of how you how you want to start your season? Because if you look at, at Penn State, if they lose this game, getting back to nine ten wins is going to be tough. They've got to play Auburn at home two weeks later. They've got to play at Iowa. They have to play at Ohio State, at Maryland, at Michigan State. They got Michigan at home, Indiana at home. There's some there's some potential L's on that schedule. This is the opportunity for you to sort of make a statement that last year was a fluke, that COVID nonsense is behind right, us. Right. Sean Clifford's going to have a chance at Penn State to say, hey, look, last year was a was a was you know an aberration. That's not me as a quarterback. This is who I am. And so it's a, it's a chance for them to do that. Wisconsin's in the same boat, right? I mean, a year before with Jack Cohn at quarterback, Wisconsin's a 10-win team. They're, a, they're two points away from winning the Rose Bowl. They have Ohio State down at halftime in the Big Ten championship game. And they're close to kind of getting over that hump, and then they falter last year. And, and they were the exact opposite story of Penn State last year because everybody was hyping Wisconsin up because they come out in the opener and just dismantle Illinois. You know, Graham Mertz, who who sort of you know is the guy that everyone's saying, oh, he supplanted Jack Cohn. He goes twenty of twenty one <laughs> for two hundred forty eight yards and five touchdowns in his first career start in a forty five seven win. Next week, they just destroy Michigan 49-11 to 11 at a time when people still thought Michigan was actually good, which right. they weren't. That was and then the wheels come off a little bit. They lose to Northwestern by 10. They lose at home to Indiana. Wisconsin doesn't lose very often at Camp Randall. Then to well, lose yeah. at Camp Randall against Indiana. Then they go on the road and they lose to Iowa by 21. Then they come back home and they're able to win a game by three points against a, a pretty bad Minnesota team last year. And then they go play Wake Forest in a bowl game, get a good season-ending win against Wake Forest, who wasn't very good last year. And they were they benefited by the fact that Wake Forest turned the ball over five times. You know, so when you when you look at that, I say, you know, you watch that game and you look at the score, you think, hey, you know what? Wisconsin ended the season on a good note. And then you look at the stat line and you say, yeah, Wisconsin didn't do a whole lot. They had 266 yards of offense and averaged 4.16 yards per play. They benefited from five turnovers. <laughs> Right and a blocked punt. So, what did they really bounce back late? And now everyone's Wisconsin's the best team in the West, and they're going to beat Notre Dame. They're favored over Notre Dame. This is their chance to prove that hype is legit. 
Yeah. Hey, we are back. We are the team that won 10 games two years ago. We are the team that went 13 and won three, four years ago. We just had a down year and we're fine. We got a new quarterback. He, he had to go through his first year struggles, but he's now going into year two. Got some weapons around him. We got some transfers coming in. We're ready to rock and roll. So that's the storyline for both. And I think they can both show that they're back in this game, to be honest with you. But to me, it's an even bigger game for Wisconsin because they are the home team. I think was I think Penn yes. State can say, hey, look, we battled Wisconsin to the end. They just made one more play than we did. It's not ideal, but we can build on that. What they can't do is get smacked around. Right. If you're Wisconsin and you lose at home to Penn State, that's a crushing blow. And that's what I love about week one in college football, Vince, is you know, we've talked about Clemson and Georgia having national title game on the you know implications in the opener. There's in-conference games happening in week one, this being one of them. Yeah. And for Penn State, they can't afford to have a loss this early in the season if they want to have a chance to win the East. For Wisconsin, there's a little bit more breathing room to take an early season L, but can Wisconsin really afford to lose a game at home? That's going to be the storyline, Vince. That's what makes it very interesting because with Wisconsin, you're you're Remaining schedule in the Big Ten is very favorable. You've got Michigan at home, Iowa at home, Northwestern at home, Nebraska at home. They play at Illinois, at Purdue, at Rutgers, at Minnesota. You see what's you know what's missing from that conference schedule? The Buckeyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So if you can beat Penn State, you should be favored over every team that you play the rest of the way. The only other team that could maybe knock them off in the regular season is Notre Dame, but that's a non-conference game. So if you right. can win this game. Your road to the Western champion, the Big Ten West Championship is just it's it's there for the taking. You lose at home to Penn State, it may not hurt you when it comes to winning the West, because the West might be pretty down this year, but it certainly is a is gonna give some life to Minnesota and 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 Purdue and some of those teams who, you know, especially Minnesota is gonna probably catch an L in week one, two to Ohio State. But it your your schedule becomes a little bit more ten, tenuous if they if they drop an early season game. So that's what makes this matchup to me, Vince, very very fascinating. Well, and and I think that the storylines for me are Camp Randall Stadium. I, I think mm-hmm. if you were to rank the Big Ten stadiums that are really difficult to play in, I think that they are third or fourth, uh, depending on where you put. Michigan. I would argue it's even higher. Yeah, I, I, I would only... put them second behind Ohio State. Okay. Okay. Even ahead of Penn State in the wideout. Mm-hmm. Okay. That okay. So there you go. So you're making my point for me. Thank you, sir. Yep. Uh that this is a very difficult place to play. And I think people are very high on Wisconsin this year. Mm-hmm. Uh I've seen people put them in the top ten. Uh obviously they're they're the rankings that we're using, they're just outside at twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people are very high on on Wisconsin. That look, they're the only team favored to beat Notre Dame. And obviously we talk about that all the time on our on our channel. Um, but I think this is this is going to come down to the defenses uh, for both teams. I, I think both defenses have the capability of being very, very good. Uh, you know, the Wisconsin defense, they have a, a really, really, really good defensive coordinator. Jim Leonard, yep. Yeah, I, he, he's, he's one of the best in the country, uh, and they're going to be ready for Penn State. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that the Penn State offense is going to be ready for the Wisconsin defense. Yeah. And so that's what this is going to come down. And then is Graham Mertz – Graham Mertz is that is yeah. he who everybody thinks that he is and the Penn State defense is going to have something to say about and, that and that that defense battle is the interesting one Vince yeah. right last year for all of Wisconsin struggles as a team their struggles were not because of the defense correct 
I mean, they lost a game giving up 17 points and they lost a game giving up 14 points. Right. You know what I mean? Right. They, you know, this day and age, that wins you ball games. Five like, of their 17 opponents were held to 17 points or fewer. Right. You know, to your point, yes, you don't you, that's they played a lot of they played a lot of winning football on defense last year, and they have a lot of guys coming back. Yeah. Right. I mean, they had one opponent that gained over 350 yards of offense last year. One. That was Wake Forest in the bowl game. Right. right? So their defense played really well. Penn State, on the other hand, their defense was a different story last year. They never played to their potential, in my opinion. Now, their offense didn't help. They had, a, you know, some of these games they gave up a lot of points. Part of it was because their offense put them in some bad Turnovers. spots. It was it, it, correct. Penn State was turnover. And they just, were on the field yeah. a lot last right. year, but they also had some games and they gave up a lot of a lot of yards and some big plays. So Penn State had a solid defense that was better than their numbers showed but not great. Wisconsin's defense was real salty last year, and they have a lot coming back. And so that's going to be an intriguing intriguing matchup. But to your point, the Wisconsin defense against what was a scuffling Penn State offense last year is going to be, is to me, is going to be the difference in this game. Penn State's offense was so erratic last year, Vince. I mean, they're against Ohio State, they were eh, you know, had some big plays that struggled. They struggled against Iowa. You know, they, they struggled against Rutgers, didn't even get to 400 yards against Rutgers, barely went over 400 yards against Michigan, whose defense was bad. But then they busted out against Illinois at the end of the year. They had over 500 yards against Nebraska. They were real up and down. They're going to get tested in this game by Wisconsin's defense. And we're going to find out if the yeah. Penn State offensive line, which I think is going to be a lot better this year, their running back depth chart is healthier than it was last year, got devastated by injuries last year. Uh, that's going to be the key. If they can't run the ball and protect Sean Clifford, meaning not protect from a pass block standpoint, but the run game protecting Sean Clifford, right, right. Then, then Penn State's going to struggle. They need to allow Sean Clifford to be a game manager. He's got some weapons to work with, but if they have to put the, the offense on his shoulders, which is what happened to them at times last year, that's when they're going to struggle. All right, Brian, prediction time. Uh, let's see, Wisconsin is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. What say you? I think Wisconsin's going to cover. I think Wisconsin's going to win 27-21. That's my score prediction for this game. I think at the end of the day, I think that Penn State's going to have a turn. You know, they got to prove to me that they can kick the turnover issues that plagued them last year. I just don't think they have enough firepower, with all due respect to Jahan Dotson, to consistently move the, uh, move the ball. I don't think their offensive line – I think the, the Wisconsin front seven is going to win this battle. I think it's going to be a great game. I think Penn State's going to get their chance late, but I think at the end of the game, down you know down six, Penn State's got the ball. I think the Wisconsin defense steps up and makes the plays they need to do to win the game. For me, I, I agree. I think Wisconsin is going to win the game. I also think that they're going to cover. I have, I think, a little, a little bit more faith in the Wisconsin defense than you do. I've got 24-14, so I got a 10-point win for Wisconsin. I just – until Penn State proves it to me, I need to see that they can score. Mm -hmm. And they got a tough task going up against this defense and on the road at Camp Randall, jumping around, you know, pun intended. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's I, yeah. a loud stadium normally, yeah. Vince. This is their first game back since 2019. It, yes, it's exactly. It's going to be wild. And, and people need to take that into account. We've talked about that with Notre Dame and how the Toledo game is going to be crazy because fans mm -hmm. haven't been in the stadium. Same mm -hmm. thing here. This is a big game a home game. This is one of the few big games that are actually on campus, and I think it's going to make a huge difference. So that that's what I've got Wisconsin by 10. So Vince has them by 10. I have Wisconsin by 6, but we see it the same way. The Badgers are going to win. That's going to do it for our, our preview and prediction of the big game in the Big Ten. 
to kick the season off. That's going to be Saturday at noon Eastern on Fox. We have the Badgers winning. Number 16 LSU travels to the Rose Bowl to take mm-hmm. on the UCLA Bruins, the unranked UCLA UCLA Bruins, even though they had a heck of a game against, well, yeah. granted, a very bad Hawaii team. At least it appears that way in week one. Hawaii well, went five and four and won a bowl right. game the year before, so you will find That's out, true. Vince, was Hawaii that bad, or did UCLA yeah. really play well? Right. We'll so, find out this week. So UCLA – this is a big game for you. Well, this is a big game for both teams, right? That's mm-hmm. why we're talking about it in the mm-hmm. first place, okay? You know, the storyline for LSU is, was last year a fluke after coming off a national championship? Can Coach O, you know, coach, period? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of question about that. Go Tigers. Mm-hmm. And, but then we've also got UCLA. They kind of are carrying the mantle yes. this weekend for their conference, for the Pac-12, because – Look, man, outside of the Pac-12 after dark, they're kind of talked about in the same sentence as like Maction on yes. Thursdays. You know it, what I mean? They're treated like the Mountain West. Yeah, absolutely. If, if, when you talk about the nat- the nation, how it views the Pac-12. Yeah, ex- they're, they're kind of looked at like the Mountain West used to be looked at, right? Yes. And the problem the Pac-12 has had in recent seasons is there's been no great teams. I have contended that the Pac-12 is better than people think because I think the Pac-12 is a lot of good teams. It just hasn't had any great teams. The problem they had in the the late the mid the, you know the two thousands when UCLA was dominating is it was just USC excuse me USC it was USC yeah, and a bunch absolutely. of nobodies. Then Oregon came along and it was USC and Oregon and a bunch of nobodies and then USC USC quickly fell right. off and it was just Oregon and a bunch of nobodies. Well, they haven't had an Oregon or a USC become that dominant you know title contending team. Obviously, Oregon played for the title twice in a four five year stretch. Played for it in 2010. Competitive game against Auburn. Had a chance at the end. Then, of course, Ohio State beat him a little bit more convincingly. But in the semifinals, Oregon destroyed the defending champion, Florida State Seminoles. So it's been a while since we've had that kind of team in the Pac-12. And and so I think they've kind of gotten that that bad rep of there's no great team. Right. I would say two to two to eight. The eighth, the Pac-12 was definitely better than the ACC. The difference is, is number one in the ACC is going to dominate number one in the Pac-12. At least that's how it's been. The first two weeks of this college football season, the Pac-12 has a lot of opportunities to kind of tell people, hey, you know, forget about us, overlook us, disrespect us at your own peril. You've got a, next week and week two, you've got Ohio State hosts Oregon. Oregon travels go. Ohio State. Colorado hosts Texas A&M. Cal travels to TCU. Washington travels to Michigan. Utah goes to BYU. Those are a lot of opportunities for these Pac-12 teams to make some statements. Colorado plays Minnesota a week later. So you're going to have a lot of opportunities for the Pac-12 to kind of go make a statement and say, hey, you you shouldn't overlook us anymore. Yeah, This is the first of those games. This is the first chance for the Pac-12 to make a statement. It's also the first chance for the Pac-12 for everyone else to prove to the Pac-12 this is why we don't pay any attention to you. Right. So it, it, it's yeah. the it's 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 a double-edged sword for the Pac-12. For UCLA specifically, Vince, this is an opportunity for Chip Kelly to say, "Hey, all the stuff we've been doing, slowly building this program, it's been leading to this point." And this is why we brought in the transfers we did. This is why we ran the sure. offense the way that we did, even though we weren't having some success. This is your chance to make that statement. This is your chance to make a statement to say, look, we are on our way back. Chip Kelly did not forget how to coach football, right? 
And this is our chance to prove that. And of course, LSU has got what you said, Vince. It's was 2019 just that fluky, magical season where just all the stars aligned and the next year you kind of went back to being what you were before. Well, they weren't even what they were before last year. Right. You know, going five and five. And so, you know, that's this is a big year for him. I mean, Coach O could go from a national champion of one of the most dominant teams we've ever seen, certainly offensively, to a guy on the hot seat. Yeah. Oh, which I, is what happens when you go five and five in the SEC. Yeah, I, I think he's squarely on the hot seat this year. I mean, if they if they go if they go six and six again, if they go five hundred, I think it's bye bye, Coach O. You I, really, I really think so? Two years I after do. title, that's wild. Which I mean, is, but but it's LSU in the that's SEC. The I mean, yeah, that's what happened exactly. to Gene Chizik. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Gene Chizik. What lasted two years after winning the title in two thousand ten? I I think they had such a poor year last year that I think it turned the the heat up. If they if they would have went seven and three. I don't think the heat would have been as yeah. hot as it is. Because if they'd have been five hundred in two thousand nineteen instead of winning the title, he'd got fired. Because there was yeah, the sure. hot seat was already oh, kind yeah. of starting to get you know starting to get, the hot seat was already you know steaming. Yeah. It was smoking hot and yeah. going into twenty nineteen. Yes, yes, that and saved him. And when you are a coach who was already on the hot seat and then you're off, it's a lot easy. It's very easy to put you back on, right? right. And I and I and think that this that's is the, the kind case. of embarrassing loss that. Yes, you don't recover from. Because look, now, this is you, an unranked UCLA yes. team. You, uh, yes, you and I have road, a difference but... of opinion of UCLA compared to what maybe a lot of SEC fans are going to have. Sure, but that doesn't matter. Right. Rational thought doesn't matter when it comes to firing a football coach. Well, right? and and look, UCLA, and you think of Chim Kelly, you think of those Oregon teams, and you know they, they were kind of like the greatest show on turf, junior. You know, because it was the college level. And but that's not how UCLA, at least what we've seen from Chip Kelly up to this right. point, that's not really how they're winning ball games, right? right? Last week they did it with a run game and a quarterback who went fifty percent ish. Right. You know, now I think their quarterback is better than that. I think he is going to have to be for them to take that next step. Yeah. But they've got a they've got a good running game yeah. with the Charbonnet kid who transferred over from Michigan. Uh, I thought it was funny. I, I saw a tweet from. Uh, uh, was it Dorian? I can't. I is he's got the hyphenated last name. The quarterback, uh, Robinson. Yeah, yeah yes. I apologize. Thank Thompson you, Robinson. Yes. Uh, his mom tweeted in the middle of the game. Thanks, Michigan, uh, for <laughs> for Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet. Yeah. Well, both of their running backs are transfers, yeah, right? And Britton Brown played really well. I mean, Britton Brown was ripping up Hawaii before Charbonnet came in in the game, and he yes. transferred from Duke. He was part of a, a really good one-two punch a couple years ago, Duke with Deion Jackson, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean they've yeah, got he had two good backs. yards and a touchdown. Yeah. yeah, they've got two, and I think Britton had a, a long reception in that game too. I think he caught a screen pass for some decent yards. He had two catches for twenty-one yards. So right, uh, you know you, you, that's a nice one-two punch. The offensive line is good. Sean Ryan. There's people that think the left tackle at UCLA, Sean Ryan's a first-round pick. They were physical against again Hawaii. LSU ain't Hawaii. Sure, okay? absolutely. But it was at least a good start. Look, you can't control who you play. You can only control how you dominate, and they absolutely, absolutely. dominated. And and you say, like, they haven't played at UCLA like he did in Oregon. This was the first time that they did. But they started to show this a little bit last year. You know, they didn't play a lot. But, but look, they ran for 230 yards a game last year. Right. They were a little up and down, but they had some big games. You know, when you look at what they the last time Chip took Oregon to the great stage, which is 2010 when they played for the title, that year, Vince, they averaged 289 rushing yards a game. 
Sure. You know, that's what Oregon was back in 2010. They now they look different because it was tempo and it was fast paced. They haven't been that at UCLA, but they're the Chip Kelly's offense is predicated on being able to run the football. If you can do that, everything else works. To your point, though, they they got away with some things last week that they wouldn't have been able to get away with against UCL against LSU, sure. meaning there were some way too many missed opportunities in the past game. I think at one point in time, Dorian Thompson Robinson was like two of eight or two of nine. Right. Right. And he was missing throws like, dude, you can't miss that throw. Uh, and, and that was a concern. The, the L, UCLA receivers weren't getting great separation against Hawaii. That was a little bit of concern. I thought the receiving core would be a little bit better. That's going to be the key. You can't. You're not going to run the ball for. You know what did they go for, Vince? Last week it was like three. Like two, four, two, I thought it was two forty four. Two forty four. Okay, they yeah. were on pace for almost four hundred yards. That's calling the dogs off. They were, I right. think, around two hundred going into halftime. They right. were like one hundred twenty something at the end of the first quarter. Right. They called the dogs off a little bit on that. Zach Charbonnet had six carries for one hundred six yards. Most of that was in the first <laughs> half. Yeah. You know they they had two two backup running backs. Keegan Jones had eight carries for twenty six yards. 3.3. They had Brian Cole had five carries, 24 yards. Ethan Fernia had four carries for 11 yards. Those guys averaged together about four yards a carry. Charbonnet and Britton Brown combined for 19 carries for 184 yards. Yeah. Right. They called off the dogs. Absolutely. Uh, Which is what you should do. That exactly game is over what you early. And there's yeah. no reason to put your guys in danger of being risked. But look, they are not going to beat UCLA with Dorian Thompson Robinson going 10 of 20 for 130 yards. Could not agree more. Could not nah, agree more. He's going to have to make some plays yeah. with his arm. Absolutely, no because you you look, you can't be one dimensional and beat a good team like what what, what we think is a good team like LSU. What everybody else thinks is a good team. I mean, they're, they're ranked 16th in the country, right? right? You can't be one dimensional unless so, you're going to be Oklahoma one dimensional or Alabama one dimensional, right? And that's not UCLA. that's not UCLA. And right, but what UCLA does have going for them is I think their defense is much improved. And very much so. I really like the way they just kind of flew around the football. I very mean, aggressive. just ears pinned back, go and get the football. I, I was very impressed with their defense. I, I came into it, you know, in that game, wanting to see what Chip Kelly is going to do offensively, and I came out of it more impressed with what the defense was doing. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to be in this game, this defense is going to have to play really, really well. I, and they're, that's they're just the question is, are, are, was that because how bad Hawaii is? Right. Or is UCLA's defense improved? We're going to find out this week. Exactly. And, and that's the key. Right. Now, you, LSU is going to have some weapons on offense, but this is not LSU 2019. Right. It's not. I mean, John Emery's a really good football player. He's you – know, they, they have – they again, they have some weapons. Because Sean, you know, was it Boutte? I, I, I always get his name wrong. Good football player. Sorry, he's not Jamar Chase. He's not Justin Jefferson. And their quarterback ain't Joe Burrow, right? Right. And, of course, Miles Brennan's out for the year. Max Johnson is going to be their quarterback. He's a good football player. He had some nice moments last year for LSU. But is he ready to really take over and lead this team to the promised land? That's what we're going to find out, right? Because I think they're going to have to score to beat UCLA. I don't think this is going to be a 17-13 game maybe i'm wrong and maybe ucla can't throw the ball and they become one dimensional and lsu shuts them down but i think lsu lsu is gonna have to score a little bit in this game vince and last year they were really up and down when it came to scoring points you know scored a lot against missouri and and lost scored a lot against south carolina scored a lot late against ole miss but everybody scored on ole miss (laughs) scored a lot on florida right but then they couldn't move the ball at all against bama 
completely got dominated by Texas A&M, completely got dominated by Auburn. And, and so which version of LSU is going to show up? That's the legitimate question. And they're still trying to chase and find the next Joe Brady instead of just saying, hey, look, let's just find somebody that can coach football. Let's do what right. let's do what he does best and build around our talent. So that's that's what we're going to find out. But, you know, Mac Johnson is a good Max Johnson, is a good player. But first game of the year on the road. And that's something I'm curious about, too, Vince, is how much does UCLA having a game under their belt help them or not? They they you know, you could say this. The 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 devil's advocate argument to how well Dorian Thompson uh, Robinson played last week is hey he got those first game jitters out from underneath him he started sure. two of nine he finished ten of twenty do you want to focus on the ten of twenty or do you want to focus on the fact that he went eight of eleven to finish the game right yeah right so he got those jitters I mean again that's me trying to spin an argument but it, it's it's based on that's actual legit, data it's a legit right. argument and that's, well, that's what the coaches are going to do LSU doesn't have that game to get those first game jitters out right this, and it's it. on the road so it's, yeah. it's going to be really interesting unfortunately that it's not going to be a packed crowd in California like it is in most states so they don't have that going for them but it's going to be an interesting game Vince. so let's 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 do predictions Vince what is You've got LSU. This was a surprise. I was shocked. I, the spread I saw was three events. What's the That's one what that I've you got. have? Because yeah. we looked at a couple different. We tried to look at com- a couple different places to try to get a range yeah. of what it was. I've got we LSU. Both by have three. three. That surprised me. That spread yeah. surprised me. So Vince, what do you say about this game? Well, I am high on UCLA probably because I hang out with you. Um, but what I saw in the I first game, I've been banging that UCLA drum all summer. Yeah. Haven't? I? Yeah, you have. But that's okay. Uh, but if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have watched the game. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, I did watch the game. I put my own, you know, uh, eyes on it, and I was impressed with what UCLA did. And I am surprised that it is the three point spread. I, you and I, this is probably of all the games that we're predicting this week. I have a feeling that this is going to be the one where you and I differ the most. Um, I have this as a very tight game. I actually have UCLA covering uh, okay. or getting inside the three. I've got it. LSU wins 28-27 okay. over UCLA. So I've got a tight game. I think it, I think UCLA's defense is going to show up. I think there is a little bit of first game jitters there for LSU. We'll see. I could be completely wrong, but I have this as a close game, but LSU squeaking it out. I think that's the kind of result for UCLA that could be a boost for them. It, Absolutely. It, it could, you know, yes, you... You don't want to say that a loss is good for you. You want to win, but we've seen it plenty where teams have lost games. We've talked about this with Notre Dame in another breakdown of a game where, yeah, Notre Dame lost to Georgia in 2017, but the way they lost, where they went toe-to-toe with Georgia, right. gave them a lot of confidence, just go steamroll the next the opponents for the next couple months. You know, does that is that what UCLA can do? Can they use that on the recruiting track? Hey, look, you know, you're the difference between us, you know, beating UCLA or LSU or not. So that's I think they're going to get a big recruiting boost in this game, but that's because I have UCLA winning this game. I have I have UCLA winning this game 34 to 31. I think that Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to make a couple big plays late in the game to to lead them down for a game winning touchdown in the fourth quarter. So I'll probably look stupid for this, but I've been banging the drum all summer. It's time to put my money where my mouth is and and that I do think UCLA is going to be a sleeper team in the the Pac-12. But I think this is going to be shot number one from the Pac-12 to say, hey, look, you forgot about us. You laughed at us. You made fun of our Pac-12 after dark. We got a new commissioner now. We got real Larry Scott. We're, we're, we're coming back. 
Hmm. And this is going to be step one. And they're going to get their chance to really make some statements next week. But this is the first one. This is the loudest one that they're going to make in the first two weeks, in my opinion. And those are the ballsy picks you get here at Irish Breakdown. <laughs> okay, people? So make sure that you check out our other predictions. If LSU blows them out, this video will accidentally get deleted and there'll be no <laughs> record of it happening whatsoever. That's right. That's right. But make sure you check out our other breakdowns. We 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 broke down four games uh, this se- or this weekend, and we're going to continue to do that as the year goes on. Uh, kind of pick out the big games in college football. What does it mean to to the big picture of college football? And frankly, we're Notre Dame. Well, I mean, we're we're college football fans. What game? What we're, game a, we we're a Notre Dame channel, but we are college exactly. Football what, fans. what games are we Absolutely. watching? And and this is this is two guys on a bar stool talking college football. So. Uh, make sure you check us out. Hit, hit the YouTube channel. Search Irish Breakdown. Subscribe, man. Subscribe. You're gonna get all. You're gonna get two coaches talking ball, man, because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and check out our board. We got some some great stuff over on the board. If you like talking football, even if you're not a Notre Dame fan, but if you are, make sure you sign up for the uh, for our for our message board. There's a lot of good stuff over there. And uh, and again, we will be back. We're gonna t- we're gonna we got Notre Dame predictions. We've got college football predictions. we got all kinds of great stuff over and there. Next weekend is going to be another great yeah, weekend man. of college football. We're going to be talking Absolutely. about a couple Pac-12 teams next weekend. That is for darn sure. Never thought that would be the case, but it is. Yep. So that's Brian. I'm Vince, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.